Episode 176 of the PJ Archive is a phone interview I did with the English singer-songwriter, musician, actress and TV personality Toya Wilcox. Toya has had hit albums and singles, including It's a Mystery, I Want to Be Free and Thunder in the Mountains. She's had memorable roles in films such as Jubilee, Quadrophenia and The Tempest, on television in Quatermass, The Ebony Tower and The Secret Diary of a Cool Girl, and on stage in Trafford Tansy, Calamity Jane, Amadeus and Vampire's Rock, which she was starring in when this interview took place in late 2008. On your website, on your last blog from the summer, you said you were delighted at not doing Panto this festive season, yet you're now doing Vampire's Rock. Is there much difference? A lot of difference. Uh, Vampire's Rock is a highly respectable production. I'm not saying Panto's aren't, but Vampire's Rock is a kind of adult rock show. And is there much ad-libbing and audience participation, though? Well, there is between Steve Steinman and the other male lead, because they're the comics in the show. So the audience is very much part of the show, and they're, they're made to feel very much included in the show. Hmm. I mean, they obviously are singing along and know all the songs, but at the same time, there are comedy elements, and there are opportunities for joining in, and it's quite similar in that way with the Rocky Horror Picture Show. And has anything funny happened during any of the performances you've given? Something happens every night. Uh, I can't really give you an example. You'd have to talk to Steve Steinman about that because I, I'm playing the baddie. So I very much play it straight. I'm not doing any comedy. But with Steve, stuff is happening every night because it, it's quite loose and that he can improvise and go off on a different track. But with me, because I'm kind of carrying the story of the devil, I play it very straight and just push that storyline through. And it includes many hits by famous artists. Does it include any of yours? Well, it does include a hit because my album went to number 11 in the iTunes rock chart in September, and so the single went to number 6. And I'm gearing up for its commercial release next Easter. So I open with Lesser God, which is a track off in the Court of the Crimson Queen, which is my new album of yes. all original material. But then the rest of the show is about rock anthems. And we've got songs from Bon Jovi, Alice Cooper, Billy Idol, Kiss, Twisted Sister. So it's all about that genre of rock. There are also a lot of uh, unbalanced people uh, out there in the world, particularly fascinated by show business. Did you have any reservations starring in a show about vampires? No, I mean, I have more reservations about presenting songs of praise. <laughs> I mean, the thing about vampires is that people that come along to see vampires love their music. A lot of them are goths. Uh, an awful lot of them want an excuse to dress up. And I have no reservations about that kind of audience. I'm in the, the DVD of um, the Rocky Horror Show, which I think is the 40th anniversary DVD that comes out in December which I'm starring in with Aid Edmondson and Anthony Head, mm. along with Richard O'Brien. So I know what these audiences are like. They're, they're fabulous. And uh, I really, from the moment I said yes to doing Vampire's Rock, I, I was looking forward to it because I knew it was going to be one hell of an experience. 
What's been the most weird or frightening fan moment you've ever experienced? Well, before I go on to that, I, I do need to say that we've had some very weird experiences on Vampire's Rock. Okay. Um, when we went in to play the Wolfram Hall in Wolverhampton, there was a gospel meeting before us, and when we arrived with the big article that says, sell yourself to rock, mm. apparently some of the gospel people said, you have allowed the devils to come in after us. <laughs> And the whole show just was a technical nightmare. Microphones were breaking, lights really? were exploding. And we've had a few shows like that. I mean, only the other night, we were at a venue that had 666 people in. And I think it was Salisbury. Everything was going wrong. We were making everything work by the skin of our teeth. And we've had quite a few moments like that with this show. Are you suggesting it might have been cursed then? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> By who? I don't know. But, uh, you know, you asked, have I had any experiences? And yeah. the answer is yes. No, Salisbury had well over a thousand in it. Must have been Torquay. It was Torquay that had 666 in. And it was just bizarre what was going on. I mean, people were running off stage going, did you see that? Yeah. It, it was as if we've been haunted. Does it give you the chills? No, I love it. Fabulous. Hmm. And have you ever met anyone who has named Toya after you? All the time. Really? Yeah, through this gig, every venue. Well, people come up and say, hi, I'm Toya. Yeah. Do you still have fans who followed you since your early days? Absolutely. I mean, about 35,000 of them who regularly tune into MySpace to see the videos I put up there regularly. Because like, movies like Jubilee and Quadrophenia establish you as a kind of an anti-establishment figure. Have you ever regretted or, or, or been criticised for shedding that image and becoming more sort of uh, wholesome? I don't regret anything I do, and I haven't shed that image. I'm just an older person, and the older you get, society um, pigeonholes you. But I'm certainly not any different to how I was 30 years ago, and I certainly don't have any regrets. And all those films win a new generation every time. Quadrophenia... It's probably one of the biggest cult movies in the world, and mm -hmm. every generation discovers it for itself, which is a very rewarding thing. But when you did things like you know, the Teletubbies or, or Songs of Praise, did you get accused of selling out? No, never. I think basically I'm an honest person, and I think people respect honesty. I, I don't think I'm a cynical person. Um, I point cynicism out, but um, I think people genuinely, they see me as someone who's just honest. I hope you don't mind me asking you this, but one of your trademarks is your lisp. Yeah. Did that ever cause you sufficient anxiety for you to seek a cure for it? No, I have speech therapy the whole time and, you know, elocution and singing lessons the whole time. Why? Because I use my voice and the way a guitarist practices guitar the whole time, you, you practice your voice the whole time. But do you think your lisp has been helpful to, as part of your identity? Um... I don't think it's been a hindrance, and people affectionately refer to it, but you've got to remember, I live in this body, I don't hear the list, mm. so therefore I don't really connect to it, but it, it certainly hasn't been a hindrance. I imagine some kids will have written to you and saying, you know, I'm really glad yeah, that you're like that time. too. Yeah. Of your pop contemporaries, which other artists did you get on well with, and did you not get on well with at all? I get on well with everybody, I'm not interested in not getting on with people, and You've got to bear in mind, I, I've spent the last 10 years on the road with most of them, and they're all very good friends. So I think 
whenever you don't get on with someone, they usually have a drug problem or something, and luckily I've never had to deal with people like that. And No, I, I've, I'm always going. When I leave Vampires in the evening, I'm driving to a venue to be with a film crew the following morning, so I'm always on the move. My life has been like that the whole time, and so I just haven't had that kind of social life. Hmm. What would you say were the highlights and lowlights of your pop career? I have no low t times at all. If you have low times, I think you have an attitude problem. I've had a very blessed 32 years in show business and enjoyed it immensely. But pop-wise, was there any venue that you played, any gig that you played, any record you recorded that you thought was just the bee's knees? Well, I mean, I, I don't do anything without believing in it, and I don't play a venue without believing in it. And also, I mean, you're, if you're asking me about something 20 years ago, I, I, to be honest, I've got absolutely no memory. Um, I live very much in today. Why wouldn't you remember something that happened 20 years ago? Because I'm too busy now. Oh, okay. Uh, what about the Top of the Pops? Do you think they should, that show should be brought back? Absolutely. There's not enough on telly to promote England and the UK as a world leader in music. When I was, you know, on doing Top of the Pops in the 80s, that show was broadcast around the world, and I totally think it's the biggest mistake in the world that Top of the Pops is no longer on, because it was one of the most vital things for a chart act to do, and for an act that was going to go into the charts. I mean, at the moment, there, there's just too little, and well, what the music industry knows, and what television isn't helping with, is that the majority of people who buy music in its solid format are over the age of 35 and therefore you just need that kind of TV to help the whole industry so I, I'm absolutely gobsmacked that it isn't on and I pray that Simon Cowell gets the rights because I mean God bless that man he will do more for the British music industry than anyone else's at the moment have you got any top of the pops memories from when yeah, you appeared on it it was fantastic but it was a brilliant show and you needed it. It was your lifeblood. Mm. I remember you doing the Ebony Tower with Laurence Olivier. Uh, what was he like with you and uh, Greta Skaki, particularly when you were both sort of starkers around him? Uh, Laurence Olivier was just wonderful. I've worked with many legends, from John Mills to Catherine Hepburn. Uh, he was just fabulous, and it was such a privilege to work with him. And he was very flirtatious and very gentlemanly and also a very loving husband as well to Joan Plowright. So yeah. he, he was a very great man, and, and thank God I got to work with him. Yeah, and you recently did The Secret Diary of a Cool Girl. What do you say to criticism that series is gratuitous? <laughs> well, that series has been signed by HBO. It's one of America's highest-rating series. It's doing more for British TV than I can think of. Well, like Prime Suspect, it's doing really, really well for Britain. I'm booked for series three. I'm coming in as a, a more leading actress in it, and mm. uh, I can't wait. And good on Billy, because she's absolutely made her name in America on that series. Did you get to know her at all? Well, of course, I play her mother. Yeah, but I mean, I wonder how much time you spend socially offset, you know, that sort of thing. Um, I don't do any socialising in any area of my life. But uh, you, you're famously a Doctor Who fan. Oh, yeah. There's talk of her becoming the first female Doctor Who, but I imagine that's a job you'd fancy yourself. Uh, well, yeah, but, I mean, it's not going to happen. Why not? Well, firstly, I haven't gone up for it, and secondly, I'm making Series 3 of Diary of a Call Girl. I'm starring in a, a British film called The Power of Three, which I'm filming next year. 
Um, I'm doing 44 dates on vampires and launching my solo album. So it's just not going to happen. Mm. What do you think about her becoming the next? It's fantastic. Right. You think she should be? Well, I think she, she's a bloody good choice. Mm. I think she's wonderful in Doctor Who. She's an incredible talent, and I loved her and Chris Eccleston. They were a wonderful partnership. So if she becomes it, I think that's great. And we've got I'm a Celebrity starting this weekend. Uh, what was your incentive for doing that, and to what extent do you think the experience was good for your career? Well, my career was doing well when I went in. I was starring in Calamity Jane, and I, I went into the jungle having sold out every venue I'd been in for the last 12 months and then came out and went into the West End with Calamity. So um, I love the show. I think it's one of the best reality TVs ever. And I asked to go in. Uh, I went in because John Lydon had pulled out and went mm. in the following series or the following year. So I, lo I really loved the experience. As for what it did for my career, I have no idea because I, I haven't stopped working since, but I've always been working. Did anything happen during your stint on I'm a Celebrity that you've never revealed before? No, I reveal everything. <laughs> and to what extent are you still in touch with those you were in the jungle with? Yeah, absolutely. You are. Will you be watching the upcoming series and what's your advice for the contestants? Um, I hope to be watching it. I, I don't get much opportunity because um, I am on the road the whole time. Uh, my advice is the only thing I would have done to prepare for the jungle was to go on a starvation diet before I went in. Right. Um, I made the mistake of the two days before going in of eating carbohydrates. And the first thing they do when they put you in is make sure you don't eat for 24 hours, mm. which makes you feel really, really ill. And I just should have done some diet training and gone into calorie restriction so that I could have gone in and not suffered as much on the hunger front, because the hunger is unbearable. What's been your most bizarre experience as a guest on any TV show? There are many bizarre ones. I think one of the bizarrest requests I've had to do a TV show was to enter Miss Universe as a muscle builder, which I really would have loved to have done, but Channel 4 didn't go ahead with it. I think you did Living with the Dead this year, didn't you? Do you have a haunted house that you live in yourself? Yeah, the camera crew came into the house and held a seance. And what I did was I invited six of my friends. Four of them were skeptic. And basically the camera crew made a documentary about what happened in the house. The gamble you take is you can't kind of summon anything in front of the camera at will. But it did, I think it made a fascinating documentary because the four skeptics are the ones that all suffered from possession and one of them collapsed right. because they suddenly were experiencing something that they'd never experienced in their whole life. And did anything materialize during the period well, the camera? It wasn't so much materialization as, as the possession. Rula Lenska, who came in, um, who's a friend of mine, who's never had any experiences in her life and isn't necessarily a believer, she collapsed saying that she could see children dying and they were naked Blimey. and starving and it made her incredibly ill we couldn't work with her for the rest of the evening and i said to her i said look Rula, that just hasn't happened there's nothing bad happened to children in this house and then we later um got a historian in who said yes actually during the plague in this town the residents in the town put the children in the cellars 
thinking they wouldn't catch the plague. And then when the adults died, the children starved to death. Blimey. So we came up with, you know, things like that. Do you like living in a haunted house, or has it made you want to sell up and move away? No, I have no problem with it at all. Has much stuff happened since? Has it kind of awoken lots of trouble? No. no. I mean, it, it, the most nerve-wracking thing was, <laughs> at one in the morning, when everyone went home, I was left alone in the house. And this was after a quite nasty experience in the attic, where um, a boy was lynched. Um, and he materialised in one of the guests and was completely freaking out and to be left in the house alone that evening was particularly unsettling but I'm absolutely fine about it now. Aren't you a bit worried that when one day you do want to sell the house you might have trouble now because everyone knows about the guru? Um, no, I'm, I'm not selling the house, it's my home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You live quite close to the Cotswolds, don't you? Yes. A-list celebrities seem to be gravitating in that direction. Is, is that a good thing, and do you hang out with them? I've got a lot of A-listers immediately around me, and, yes, we're all friends, but I don't hang out with anyone. I'm too busy. Mm. But do you like that, the kind of way that the Cotswolds is attracting those sort of people? Well, it's always been here. Um, I mean, I've got Stella McCartney a mile away. I think Liz Hurley is a few miles away. Mm. Uh, th these people work very hard in the community. I mean, Liz is starting up organic farming, which is fantastic. I think anything that helps farming is good news. So I don't have a problem with it at all. How many homes do you have? You're one in London as well. It's documented I have five. I oh. actually have more. I have a property company, so that's uh -huh. what I do. And where would you ideally like to live in the future? I'm living where I want to live now. And I believe you turned 50 in May. Yeah. How did you feel about that? Fabulous. I mean, I'm having a fantastic time. Mm -hmm. No reservations? No, none at all. Mm. How did you celebrate? I'm still celebrating. My, my aim was to celebrate all year, so it's still ongoing. Mm -hmm. To what extent would you like to be starting out in the pop world nowadays? I wouldn't like to be starting out anywhere at this time. I think that the new generation has it so much harder. And... I think it's appalling that young students end up in debt because they have to pay back, back their grants for their education. Mm. And I feel the same about kids starting in music. I think it's a really tough world. And what I love about Vampires Rock is that the band are very young. The drummer's 19. And they have been given one of the most fantastic opportunities to be in this show. And they are superb. And they get treated like rock gods. So I, I wouldn't like to be starting out now. I think it's far tougher than when I started out. Mm. And earlier this year you took part in the Olivia Newton-John charity yes. walk, I think. Um, any funny moments spent with her or well, Clifford? Yeah, I mean, uh, Danny Minow and I ended up in quite a few funny situations. When we were on the road, we, we had a male officials with us the whole time. We weren't allowed out without having officials with us, which is the Chinese way of doing things. So everywhere we went, because we were mainly women, they erected a tent for us to use the toilet in, which oh. they tried to erect what was the Western style of toilet. But there were some occasions where we'd end up at a garage in the middle of the Gobi Desert, which was the only garage for about 50 miles. And I can remember Danny and I experiencing the hole in the ground, which was a communal hole in the ground for women, a row of kind of three holes. And I said, come on, Danny, we've got to do this. <laughs> and we both ran in there with cameras. 
and um, Charlie gave up and ran off and I didn't and I mean we just had an absolute scream out there it was fantastic but also we had really beautiful times because virtually everyone on this walk was Buddhist the Chinese officials took us to some secret sites and allowed us to see some 2,000 year old Buddhas that aren't necessarily on show and Olivia said you know can we pray here would you leave us alone to pray and and they did and they treated us brilliantly Mm. Danny gets quite a lot of criticism while she's on the X Factor do you feel quite defensive of her Danny is a fabulous girl she is funny she is beautiful she gets on with everyone and I think she's done a magnificent job because it can't be easy to have been deliberately pitched against someone like Cheryl Cole, who is stunningly beautiful, magnificently successful, very intelligent. And I think Danny has done what she does with great dignity. And I do feel supportive of her. One of the most moving conversations I had with her, we were walking through the Gobi. She and I were having a private moment, and she said, you know what the hardest thing about cancer is watching someone you love potentially die. Mm. And it never occurred to me, you know, you think of Kylie and the fear and the fight she's had to put up, but what it must have been like for the family. And it, it, you know, I just fell in love with Danny at that moment Mm. because she has so much dignity. Mm. And um, she's very, very special. In the November blog on your MySpace, you question the leadership of this country. Do do you feel it's time Gordon Brown moved away? Gordon Brown has suddenly pulled his fucking socks up. I can't believe it. I tell you what really pisses me off is that I'm going into small towns like Burnley, Retford, and I'm seeing poverty. And we're always talking about poverty in the rest of the world. We have poverty among our children here. And if I hear of this government investing in a casino, I will do anything to diss this government because we culturally are fantastic. Our genes carry so much potential. We should be investing in these towns and dealing with the the disillusioned young. It's a shocker. But I think, ironically, Gordon Brown might suddenly show a side that that proves his worth. What chance of you entering politics one day? Um, The way I feel at the moment, I want to work for the whole of my life. I have no intention of retiring. And if I don't see someone doing the job properly, then I'm seriously considering going into it. Really? He stands an MP? Well, I'm not saying I will, but I think if I hit 70 and I've got nothing to do, my life experience... I think it would be very valuable, like all people of that age. Which party would you be with? Now, that's an interesting one, because I, I, am a, I, I realise by belief that I'm socialist, but I really don't like militant attitudes. I disagree with modern labour so much, uh, because so many people have suffered, but at the same time, I don't like nepotism and inherited money. So... I, I don't know. I, I would have to um, do a lot of studying before I even entered into it because I understand people. I don't understand <coughs> politics. What do you want to achieve with the rest of your life? Well, I'm an actress and a singer and a writer. I just want to keep working. I want to be creative. And what's 
lovely recently is that I'm blossoming in areas I never thought I would. I've been signed on a worldwide publishing deal. I'm writing for other artists. People want me to record. And, you know, the acting's blossoming as well. So at the moment, I just would like, you know, a bit more of that. Mm. It does seem that music from the last two decades has not been particularly memorable in general, or few, apart from no, a few... I'm sorry, but that's your age. Really? Yeah, that's But I'm, age. I'm younger than you are. I blame the music. Really? You've moved on. Right. Do you think the artists of today are as good? Well, I don't get involved, really, because I write. I like to write in a bubble, so I don't actually listen to too much new stuff. But I do think there's phenomenal musicianship out there. Mm. Um, a lot of the, the young girls around at the moment, they, they appear to be fantastic musicians. Mm. And uh, how do you want people to remember you after you've gone? I'm not at all bothered. I, I think um, wanting to be remembered after you've gone is the biggest act of sanity. So I'm not bothered. But do you feel that you've been given the credit that you deserve? I don't care. <laughs>